get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's a pleasure to go to the Celebrity Line and welcome the St. Louis Cardinals Assistant GM and Director of Scouting, Randy Flores, who has been busy over the course of the last month or so. Flo, it's good to have you with us. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm chuckling here because you said it's the Celebrity Line, so I'm, let's, just, <laughs> let's just go ahead and let's put a pause on that one. <laughs> well, here, you, you've drafted a lot of good guys, and you still have that World Series ring, so why don't yeah, you have that enough. in St. Louis? Fair enough. Thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, first of all, we were all thrilled when you took the University of Arizona outfielder Chase Davis, who, by the way, is just a wonderful young man. What stood out to you about Chase Davis when you took him with that first Cardinal pick this year? Well, Randy, as you mentioned, when you when you speak with him, you can just tell right away he plays and has such a, a great energy, right? He plays with a joy. Um, you know, some would call it swag. Some would call it uh, flash. Others would call it, you know, energetic and, and convicted. And, uh, you know, having that at that spot in the draft down at, at 21 was something that we were excited to have. Now, as a player, um, you have a left-handed bat with athleticism, someone who can move around the outfield, whose arm supports, you know, right field or traditional right field. And, and someone whose just trajectory is someone we, that we had been following since high school, and, and really gain steam throughout his collegiate career. Well, with Chase Davis, and really when you're scouting and evaluating talent, you're also evaluating how they will fit into the organization. What do you look at and need to see from a player to know that they will fit the Cardinals' way, and what is your definition of the Cardinals' way? Well, there's a, there's a lot to kind of unpack there, Brooke, and I appreciate the, the question just regarding how what we look for in an organization. And, and, and obviously, the path to the major leagues is so much different than the path to, you know, the highest level of the NBA or the NFL. And so, you know, drafting for organizational quote need is, is just not really something that, that, you know, we think a ton of when we're selecting um, our picks. Uh, that being said, we're looking for someone who has, you know, aptitude, uh, someone who is you know willing to continue to learn, uh, someone who doesn't believe that they're a finished product and, and someone who, who, you know, in the best case scenario makes others better around them. And I think some of those are tenets of the Cardinal way, you know, however you want to describe it. It's, it's, there, there are pieces of that, that that fit where, you know, when you face adversity, you don't give up. And in Chase's case, you know, his freshman year, you know, he was on a college World Series contending team. And he had very, very limited playing time. So you, you have that on the heels of the COVID-shortened 2020 high school year and then not play his freshman year. Um, and, and it's really a kind of a chance to see what a player does and what their resolve is. And, and he took that as a challenge. He got regular playing time his sophomore year. His sophomore year, he realized at the end of it, he needed to tighten up his swing decisions um, and his swing path, and then just really exploded in the Cape in his junior year. And so uh, a lot of the traits that we look for um, regarding someone who has faced adversity and come the other side and, and is a good baseball player. I'm always just intrigued also what you guys look at when it comes to, of course, you're looking at the stats and stuff that you mentioned there and what they're doing playing wise. But what do you also look at off the field? Is it something with the personality and family or what are the some of the other aspects that you guys look at in your research? Oh, yeah. Look, that's the holy grail. All, all teams are searching for that. Um, you know, when you when you have major league you know, talent, the, 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 the tools that can get that can get you to the major leagues, it's so often is the stuff away from the field that, that kind of, I don't know, has a chance to touch greatness, right? Um, and and it's, you try to get a 360 view of a player, but, but really at the end of the day, they're people. 
and people change and they evolve. And so you're looking for someone who's honest with himself and authentic with himself. And, and Chase in our interviews and with those who, who knew him, uh, they remarked of his authenticity. Uh, that it isn't fake. It's someone who is going to work. Um, and I think that that's a, a very attractive trait to have. Randy Flores, Cardinals Assistant GM Director of Scouting, with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And Flo, you, you mentioned personality, and you played for Tony Larusa, who every day told us, I'm sure he told you guys, hey, it's men, not machines. And mm-hmm. so you, you have mm-hmm. that background, right? He was a big influence on you, but you're a numbers guy, too. So how do you balance that old school scouting and the tools you have at your disposal analytically to, to make the choice? And how does that balance come into play? No, that's that's it's a great uh, it's a great question, and it is it is a balance. Look, what what I think the the, the uniform affords me, affords my lens is, is just an understanding and empathy for how hard it is to be a baseball player, how hard it is to be a, a sustained major league baseball player, and to understand that you know development is not always linear. It, it's not always linear. You know there are different paths. You, you you look at our players and and very very few start out what you project them to be and turn to what you project them to be in a linear manner. And so I, I think it's an understanding of all the support mechanisms necessary to increase the chances that a player reaches their full potential. So that's a strong pitching curriculum, a strong hitting curriculum, a strong strength and conditioning, performance, mental health, um, and, and support in the training staff. I mean, small things that you have the right people in the clubhouse, all the touch points that a player might have that can't keep be captured analytically it's that human touch that might help someone reach what the analytics or what the projections uh, uh, predict. And so it really is, you know, having, having every piece of the puzzle contend for its piece in order to get the best outcome of a player. On day two of the draft, you guys picked up Stanford left-hander Quinn Matthews, and he was just really interesting and caught a lot of headlines because he had thrown 156 pitches in a game this season. I know that that had to sell you guys a little bit too, but I found something else interesting, that he had co-written a 30-page paper on the internal brace surgical procedure, something, an alternative to Tommy John surgery. What all impressed you about him? Well, let's just go with that 156 pitches. You know, if you do look at my bio, I am a little old. And so I did come up in the in the age where where they weren't counting pitches the way they were now. And I don't mean to say, like, let's go back to those days. But what I appreciated uh, as someone who has thrown that many pitches back in the in, in, in the days uh, in college was I, I, I respected what it took to accept the ball in that time. You know, the competitive it, it took. And here you have a very, very smart young man, a very, very competitive young man. Uh, a, a young man who knows what's on the line with his draft status, and yet he wants the ball. And if you watch his interviews after that game, he said, look, I wanted the rock. It's almost like a basketball term. He's like, you're not going to take the rock for me. And so someone who has that, who checked out um, you know, medically afterwards, it, it, I think that that type of person and that type of competitor is someone you want in an organization. And so, yes, would we have preferred he not had 156, whatever it was, pitch outing? Sure. Uh, but the fact that he did is not a knock on him. It's something that um, is in his favor, actually. Is he a guy, and Brooke mentioned, 6'5", 188. I would anticipate that you will look at him as a guy that will fill out and turn into a really big man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine he's been told that his entire life. And so, you know, outside of strapping him down and force-feeding protein shakes, you know, uh, weight and, and man strength comes at different times for everyone. So, yes, our hope is that his frame affords him an opportunity to get, um, you know, some more bulk. Uh, but but already, notwithstanding that, he already has shouldered a, you know a, a robust collegiate pitching load and has come through it uh, uh, healthy and ready for his pro career. 
Okay, Randy, you get the thrill for, of actually drafting actual players that are going to wind up hopefully playing Major League Baseball. Our mm-hmm. thrill is drafting fantasy players. But we get to the seventh, eighth round of a fantasy draft, and we say, oh, I got the sleeper. This is the guy that's coming. In this draft, who was your sleeper? Who was the guy that you were thrilled about getting when you got him? Look, it's, it's a really hard one to, to answer because by mentioning one sleeper, it's almost as if the other 18 players are, are not sleepers. And so mm-hmm. i got to be careful here. Okay. But one of the things that I, that I do want to touch on is that whenever you get to a certain spot in the draft, you're, you're always looking for where your scouts are directing you and in tandem with where the analytics are going. You're looking for that perfect balance. But, but sometimes just stories resonate. And, and, and in the case uh, of a ninth rounder like Christian Worley out of uh, uh, Virginia Tech, you know, our scout, our scout talked about him, and they talked about makeup, right? And in scouting, you know, they often use a, a grade for tools, a 20 to 80 scale, 80 being the best ever and 20 being the lowest ever. And in conversations about this player who was rehabbing from Tommy John surgery, um, our scout said that this player has 90 makeup. And so when you're looking for someone who has, you know, uh, uh, you know upside, you know, when you're looking in that, in that ninth round for someone who has better days ahead, uh, and you're looking for opportunity, well, this player fit that um, in that he was, you know, unfortunately is coming to us on the heels of Tommy John surgery, but has the makeup and the, and, and the character and the, and the pitch metrics and the past performance to, to, to think that he can come through this as a better player on the other side. Randy Flores, it's remarkable to look at the success that you and your staff have had in drafting let alone people after the first round, but we just look at first-rounders, uh, Dylan Carlson on the roster, Dakota Hudson on the roster, Nolan Gorman, Zach Thompson, Jordan Walker, all on the roster. How heartening is it for you that you and your staff have all of these people in a hard business to get guys to the major leagues that have been drafted that are not only key players for the Cardinals but are contributing at a pretty high level? Look, I, I think that it's an appreciation um for our entire group, you know, our entire group. I'm the one, you know, doing the interview. I'm the one pulling a magnet or, or, or talking or summarizing our thing. But it's it's an army of people, Randy, um, who work. Um, their lives are, are, are for this game. And, and, and various departments intersect in anticipation, preparation, and execution of our draft. And so I think, you know, as a collective group, uh, it's something we're, we're very, very pleased with, but also – uh, the standard was set long before, you know, I, I, I came here to St. Louis. The, the Cardinals have, have had a tradition of excelling in the draft. And so it's a standard, it's a responsibility, it's a weight, um, and, and, and it matters for, for this city and for this, for this, this team. And so, you know, we, we, I do appreciate you saying how hard it is because it, it is hard. It's a, it's a challenge that we embrace. Uh, it's something that we have to be even better at. And uh, we're working already to be better at it next year. A couple more things. I know that you scout the area, but is there difficulty? Because players always talk about how difficult it is to play in their hometown. Does that play a role when you are, are scouting the St. Louis metro area and you're, you're choosing players? Does that have anything to do with it, knowing that when they get to the major league levels, there's going to be such a distraction because they're playing in their hometown? That's a good point. I, I think it's a little tricky because um, the, the, the the path to the major leagues takes time, right? So it's not you know it's not an NFL player. You draft them in their hometown. They're playing for the hometown team. It's not that. And so things things can happen. 
at the same time, some players embrace it. Some say they, they wish that they didn't. Some players, when they're 18, 19 year old, they say, I want to play in my hometown. And then when they're 23, they're like, ah, maybe it's going to get away from mom and dad for a little bit for this, for this job and this career. So it's not really something that we factor in. Uh, specifically um, in any measurable way. Um, but it is something that I imagine players have to consider as they uh, are facing possible selections. And then the last thing, and you guys are working 24-7, 365. Here we are on uh, July 21st of 2023. How far along are you and your staff in the draft process for next year already? Oh, yeah. Well, Randy, it's crazy because the draft is now later. It's in July, where it used to be in the first week or so of June. And so, candidly, we, we were prepping for the 24, 2024 draft while the 2023 draft had yet to occur. <laughs> so our scouts were already in Cape Cod scouting the summer uh, collegiate players. Uh, they were already scouting uh, the uh, Team USA trials for the 2024 draft, you know, for this 2023 summer. And so it's already going on now. Um, you know, here in the office, uh, those of us who support the draft are, are now you know, working ahead of the trade deadline. And then immediately after the trade deadline starts a two-week trip uh, visiting the primary high school showcases, both in the East Coast and West Coast. And so um, it, it really is a year-round deal. And, and the unique part is that lately it turns into concurrent prep as you are finishing up the preparations for the draft while simultaneously looking ahead to next year. Well, we're looking forward to seeing Chase Davis as he joins people like Carlson and Gorman and, and Jordan Walker in the major leagues. Congratulations on the way things are going. Randy Flores, it's great to have you with us. Good to hear your voice. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Brooke. Take care.